0: hey folks welcome to another episode of the investment news podcast i'm jeff benjamin along with my colleague and co-host bruce bk kelly Uh, we got a couple of great segments this week first off we have hannah moore owner of guiding wealth the financial advisory firm in texas and uh, she's also very involved in the financial planning association's externship program which we're going to we're going to dig into and, and find out how all that works and is working. Then next up, we have Nicole Nikki Casperson from our tech team, along with her co-host on their podcast, Sean Shakalaka Alaka. That's going to be a good one. So but first, uh, welcome aboard, Hannah. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. Thank you for being here. I, uh, You and I talked a few weeks ago about the The Financial Planning Association's externship program, right? To me, this is so fascinating because I I know you launched this a year ago when it looked like financial advisors couldn't have internships in the traditional way. And I wrote a story about virtual internships. And and the FPA, with with much of your help and maybe your total leadership on this thing, turned this thing around in sort of short order as necessity is the mother of inventions and now it's such a success that you're going to keep it around correct
1: yeah we are we are already we're doing signups right now for summer twenty twenty one
0: Can you tell us a little bit about the i I think the origins of this thing is 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 very interesting how this thing came together and how it's so unique from from traditional internships it's even unique from other virtual internships
1: yeah we really we really have tapped into something here. Uh, well, some of the story, you know, like everybody we saw, you know, the pandemic was coming. It was coming. It was here back in March of last year. And we started, you know, at FPA, we were really looking and saying, how can we help planners? Like, what are the big needs? And there are certainly a lot of them. But my focus has really always been new planners. And so we started seeing students who were losing their internships. We started seeing a couple come in. Um, we started talking to professors. And we just kept hearing this, this thread of students losing their internships And so we were like, what can we do to really step in and have a meaningful impact in this space? And so our first thought was, as many would we have, is to take our, you know, the member firms of FPA and match them with these interns that were losing their internships. But we quickly realized that our member firms were also losing their, letting their interns go because they didn't know how to work in this, you know, in this environment, which we certainly understood. And so. What we did is we ran a couple of focus groups with students and we started asking them, you know, what is it really about an internship that's most valuable for you? Um, And we started doing a lot of research into what's really key developmentally. And because this is really important in a a professional's journey, a financial planner's journey, um, especially those beginning stages, it's really a foundational element to their career. And so what we realized is that we will never be able to replace that in-depth firm experience that you, know, you walk in, you see the receptionist, you get to go work at your desk, you're, you're in that environment. We'll never be able to replace that. But what we realized was just about every other benefit of an internship and every other benefit that we were hearing from students is that we could replicate that on scale in a virtual environment. And so we really said, okay, let's throw out all the constraints and let's reconstruct an experience that would really help in that developmental journey for for new planners. And so we came up with the externship. That's a little bit about how it kind of came to be. We certainly learned a lot of things in that process.
0: What what is it though? I mean, because this, uh, that's what I want you to explain, because this is different than a traditional internship because it involves multiple firms, uh, a, a student or an intern working with multiple firms. And there's also the flip of that you pay for this, right? As an intern. or yeah, yeah. How does
2: it work from the, from the student's point of view f- today or, or this summer as it would have two or three summers ago, Hannah, like, could yeah. you give us a absolutely. basic so, compare and contrast, you know?
1: Absolutely. We have some really cool additions for this year. Like we're, we're, we're leveling this thing up for this year. So what is the externship? So the externship is an internship like experience for many different firms. So we were able to partner with some really great partners last year and this year as well. So eMoney has been a core sponsor for us. And so they give access to their eMoney software. Morningstar, you get access to the Morningstar Advisor Workstation. And last year, TD Ameritrade for the Education Center. And then this year with Schwab um, is also going to be a sponsor. So what we're doing, so we're giving students the actual tools that they would be using in a financial planning firm. And so what we're doing in this virtual environment is recreating the experience as if they were working in a firm. Every Monday, we start out with three experts. And these three experts are, we're not talking, we have a very strict no PowerPoint rule in the externship because we want to make this fun and enjoyable.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So every, we have three experts every Monday where we're going to dive into a topic. Um, so investment planning, retirement planning, estate planning, tax planning, all the different, you know, kind of the CFP areas. And they're going to, they share real deliverables that they, that they use with their clients. So with those deliverables, you get to see, we're not talking about, we're not talking about abstract. We're not talking about theory. We're talking about brass tacks, what goes in front of the client at the, you know, at the end of the day. And so the students get to see that they get to see how this is in the context of the financial planning firm uh, and, and in their relationship with their client. And then using those documents throughout the externship, we give the students assignments. Um, So we give them, just like you would in an internship, you have to go do the work for clients, right? I mean, unless you have like a scanning internship, which those aren't very fun. But what we do, so we give them assignments for them to go into eMoney, to go into Morningstar, to go into the different technology and actually recreate some of the documents that they saw from those planners earlier in the week. So in this experience, they're getting to actually do the work as if they were interning for all of these firms, but across many different firms. So that's that's one of the core elements to this to this program. In addition to that, you know, we're bringing in lots of different, really cool different segments and different pieces throughout this. But the goal is to really recreate and give access to what it's like to do financial planning, giving a taste for that. So what some of the benefits? How many
2: people are we talking about here?
1: So last year we had between 11 and 1200 actively engaged students in the externship program. Wow. That's
2: a lot of people.
1: It is. Yeah. That was one of my, my things. I mean,
2: I am I used yeah. to be a school teacher before I became a reporter. So it's uh, mind boggling. How, how on earth do you keep track of 1,100 <laughs> interns on this uh, uh, platform? And how do you know when they're not First like week.
0: all, they're all working. They're out they're
2: in good. the, you know, smoking in the boys room as the old song used <laughs> right? to go. Right? Yeah.
0: Well, and that's what's
1: great about this, right? You know, people can kind of go at their own pace. And when you get to, you know, one of the benefits of just saying we're going to start from scratch, what are the core pieces that we want to do this? Uh, what we want to do in this experience, and one of them that we wanted to do is we wanted this to be scalable. We wanted to be able to reach people that we've never been able to reach before. And so we use a lot of technology. So people are doing their work. Um, they're answering quiz questions. So in the to give you context of the size of this program. Last year, we had over 60 different financial planning presenters. We had over 122 different videos as part of this program. Uh, We had over 70, it was like 77 like quizzes or different like assignments that that they had to fill in. Um, So we leveraged technology quite heavily, um, obviously in this. So you complete your homework, you upload it, and then you have to answer questions that you won't be able to get right unless you did your homework.
2: Studying for a CFP through all this or...
1: Nope. So, a charter we- financial
2: analysts, or is there a you know because it, it I, I write about the brokerage industry, right? Yeah. And Jeff writes more about the RIA side, even though we we trade off sometimes. And you know, it really the, my experience with training programs is the big wirehouse training programs, right? And at the end of those, you're supposed to get your Series Six and your Series Seven, or if you work for you know an insurance company, right, for AXA or something, you get your Series Six. And then you go out and start selling products to people that have financial planning that can be used in a financial plan. I mean, so what is the what is the end result here for the? I got yeah. I got two kids in high school. They're going to be doing internships. If one of them says, "Hey, I want to do a financial planning internship," what is my what does my kid get out of this at the, at the end? Other than a great working with these great people and these and and a, and a very interesting platform, obviously
1: so there's three things. So there's two really practical ones is you get 180 hours or experience hours for the CFP certification. Oh, um, So, so you get that immediately. The second piece that you're going to get, you have the ability to get the e-money certi- certificate to be able to put that on your resume. A lot of colleges and universities all across the country last year. Um, and we're actively talking with them this year um, as well. College credit. Um, so we have, you know, again, universities across the country are offering this for college credit at this point. But Can what's you say, different? Just about- give
2: us a few names, like a smattering of universities mm-hmm. you're t- you're working we with. We're here?
1: talking to, you know, we have our big kind of traditional financial planning programs, like your Kansas States. Those we are talking to Montana State University this year. We had Purdue was offering it last year. Oh. I mean, it's all over. The, we're there's quite literally from all over the country. Yeah, are offering this as college That's credit.
0: That's fantastic. Hannah, what was when you're talking about the colleges that are signed up and involved, as is, is you told me in our conversation earlier, that most of the colleges don't even have uh, financial planning programs, right? Yeah. So this is awesome? really shows how it's just spread wow. to students that are at schools that don't even offer this. So th- it might expand, or I'm thinking it likely will expand, the potential market for, for future financial advisors.
1: Absolutely. We had 209 different universities that were represented last year of those AE six have CFP programs or CFP certificate programs, um, or like you know the they have a CFP option mm-hmm. for those those courses. So we're definitely seeing this opportunity to spread the message of what financial planning is. And to your point earlier, we were talking about in the broker dealer world, so much of this training out there is sales based, um, and that's really what we've it's seen. It's all in this sales space. based. It's, except now we have the externship, uh, but this is, this is what we're doing, you know, right. and this is why I work so heavily with the FPA. FPA's vision is to elevate the profession that transforms lives to the power of financial planning. Their end goal is financial planning. You know, working with FPA, it's how do we become a master of our craft at financial planning? Yes, there is an element of sales, area, sales, but where do you go to be an exceptional financial planner? And that's what we we're trying to create a solution for. So
2: you're a you're a planner. To be clear, you're yes. a planner. You're not a broker. You're not a registered rep.
1: I was earlier in my career, and now I am. Yeah, now I'm a planner. I called myself a financial planner both in the broker dealer world and the RIA space. So what we're training and you have your CFP. I would yep, imagine absolutely. Yep.
2: Okay. You said you were very focused on internships. I think when Jeff and you were chatting at the top. Yeah. Is that correct?
1: Oh, uh, right now. Yes. Yeah. Focused on new planners. Um, and how do we really well, develop? How did that come about?
2: Like, what's the germ of the thinking or the generating of the thinking there?
1: I mean, it's as simple as this is what I needed when I first started.
2: Uh, you know, we'll talk you know, about that, please.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I have kind of a crazy career path story. I was 22, started working, graduated from a CFP program at Baylor. And Started working for a woman who was 68. Four years later, I bought her practice, bought another small practice soon after that. So I was 26. I had between 250 and 300 clients that I was working with. Oh, wow. um, and, it was, and it was very much kind of in that traditional... There were a lot of orphaned accounts. You know, there was, just, there was just I saw everything from the 1980s to what was happening at that time. You know, it was an incredible learning opportunity. But what I realized is that I was really- And doing... we're talking
2: about when did this, when did you enter the business, if you don't mind me asking. Uh,
1: yeah, absolutely. Uh, I started February of 20, 2009.
2: Huh.
1: I, I know. I February 2009,
2: are you kidding me?
1: My, my first week on the job <laughs> was the day that the market hit its low. <laughs> so all my clients thought I had Midas's touch, they're like, Hannah comes in and everything goes up. So I, I, I'll take what I can. <laughs>
2: Oh, oh, that's fantastic, but, huh?
1: But I realized as I was working with these clients- How scared I, were you
2: when you started working with, like what oh, was your anxiety level or your fear level or whatever? I was terrified. Yeah.
1: Because what I know what we do, you know, is so important. And I absolutely believe that financial planning can change lives. Like, I'm so convinced of that. But I also know that bad advice can ruin lives. And that might be a bit dramatic, but I felt the weight- No, of- it
2: can. Trust me, yeah. I, I know. Yeah.
1: yeah, and and so it was really, um, it was really important to me, you know. And and I invested in some different programs to really, you know, I did, I bought a whole set of processes and checklists. So every time I was going into a client meeting, I was going through the checklist to make sure that there was nothing that I was missing. I was pulling from all these different resources that I had to really help me be to make sure that I was giving quality advice to um, to my clients because I didn't want my age to influence. The advice that they were getting, right? Like they they deserve that that, that high quality advice. So uh, it was definitely something that I took very very seriously. It was definitely a high stress time in my life.
2: Yeah, sure. I can't. <laughs> I can't.
0: I can't, uh, I can't imagine. You know how how do financial advisors benefit from this? Because normally, if you're a financial advisory firm and you have an intern, they come into your office, you give them work to do, whether it's menial or more complex. But you're usually getting something out of them. This sounds more like. You're asking financial advisors to step up and, and be educators and maybe even pseudo mentors. But So how are financial advisors benefiting from this program?
1: So there's a lot of different ways on how to answer that or people are engaging. So the volunteers who are part of this program are really just volunteering to give back to the students. Now, what we had and what I think is a great compliment, this externship is a really, really great compliment to an internship program within firms. And we have some examples of that, of people who did that last year. And really from that perspective, one, it provides structure for your internship. It's going to provide talking points for you to um, to be engaging with your intern. They're going to be bringing you ideas. And this is one of the things we had some planners who are advisors who were 10 years into the business, who did the externship last year, and were blown away by what they learned because we are really getting an inside look at some of the top financial planners, how they're doing financial planning. So you're going to come away at a minimum. I mean, my gosh, I've been in here and I'm I'm in in this space, in this education space, and I was learning quite a bit that influenced my practice directly. So again, if for the experienced advisor who wants to, what is financial planning? It's an incredible way to see what is financial planning. If you're having an intern at your firm, it's a great thing for to send them through, and I can almost guarantee you they're going to, you know, invest. Or, you know, estate planning is a great example. They're going to say, well, what are you doing for your clients in estate planning? And then, and then they're going to be able to say, well, here's what here's what I'm learning about right now. Um, have you you know? and they're going to be able to offer ideas um, and provide extra value um, in that way for the firm.
0: How can advisory firms sign up that want to participate?
1: FPAexternship.org. Is that, that is, the
0: same way that a student can sign up or is that a different yeah. type of outreach? OK,
1: Nope, you can do it in that same in that same way. Yep.
2: So if I'm an RIA in New York and I have an intern coming in for the summer, they can do your course in adjacent or parallel to their work for me is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, and we're finding uh one of the as we were talking to firms, one of their biggest struggles was building out the training for internships. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard. It is. And so, one of the pieces of feedback we heard was, "This is a built-in training program for your internship." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, there's there's a lot of value there for for you know running this in conjunction with what you're doing for your internship.
0: And this is, you said tw- twenty hours a week is a commitment, right?
1: Yeah. And and when we say yeah, and we this is a rigorous program, so like there's a right. lot of there's a lot of right. meeting. How many
2: weeks, Hannah, for twenty hours a week? Eight eight weeks.
0: Okay. Do you think that this is something that a financial advisor especially a younger one could benefit from. It sounds like it is, oh, even yeah. if you're actively working, you know, I was even- talking
1: to a friend of mine he was, he did the, he's been in the business for 10 years and he went through this externship and he's, he was like, it was nothing, but I thought it was going to be, I <laughs> thought we were going to be learning about the numbers and how to crunch the numbers. And it was really about how do you do financial planning? How do you be a great financial planner? And like you said earlier, there's simply so little training out there. Um, if not no training out there. And so we're really filling this huge gap that we're seeing in this space. But he told me after 10 years in the business, it changed 90% of how he was engaging with his clients. Wow. It completely flipped how he viewed his client relationships and what he's able to put, like how he's working with them. And so we really believe that this is a very powerful program. If you're overwhelmed by the commitment of a number of weeks and the hours that are in there, we had people who just signed up and we're just able to kind of just Pick and choose um you know we really want this to be be for everybody
0: no I, I I talked about this earlier and we kind of just glossed over it but there is a cost right to sign up yes. as a student yep. and and there wasn't a cost last year right that's that's new talk about that if you will
1: yeah absolutely so one of it is just the sheer cost of the program um this sheer you know all the production that goes into it and and the value of that. So there is just an inherent cost to it. Uh, And when we were really looking at, you know, for me, we want this to be a sustainable program. We do not want this to be dependent on a sponsor. We do not want this to be dependent upon if we're getting, you know, the dollars to support it. We really, we want this to be sustainable long-term. And so as we were talking to our different shareholders, um, from sponsors to students, to professors, to, to existing planners, all across the board, this is really where we found kind of that sweet spot. That we thought where we could, you know, it is sponsored, you know, by e-money and Schwab and, and Morningstar, but it's also supplemented by the students themselves. And so because of that, we view this as that as a way for this program to continue on into the future and to ensure its
0: viability. It also, I think, speaks to a commitment if you're willing to put a little yeah. bit of money in there, you know, as a student, as opposed to just saying oh, that's something I can sign up for and maybe learn some stuff. But uh, if you have to put a few hundred bucks up and uh, where? where where do you see this going? Obviously, it's grown huge in just one year. Is this is this something that you, you think you're going to have to cap or what? Hey,
1: so I'm, I'm a big dreamer. I'm a big dreamer. And, you know, I think, you know, we look at. When we started this program. We thought we were solving a problem of juniors and seniors in college who lost their internship. I remember I vividly remember we started seeing these registration comes in. And we're like, oh, my goodness, we're we're onto something here. And I remember it was when we saw our first high school students sign up for this program. High school students go through this. That's cool. And it was so cool. And we realized we were like, oh my God, we're not just solving for this junior and seniors internship problem. We're solving an access to financial planning problem that we've had in our profession for decades and that we can now tap into this. So we had so many stay-at-home parents. We had career changers we had high school students. I mean, we're working on, there's avenues where we can get into high schools that we've never been able to before. We look at, you know, what is the reach of this program and what's potential? I mean, we see this, I mean, I always go back to, I believe this is a profession changing program. We are going to increase the, t- the diversity of the talent that's coming into financial planning. We're going to increase where we're getting our talent from. Uh, we're going to be increasing the awareness of financial planning as a profession and as a field. Um, I was talking to this one woman who actually runs internships for high school students. She's partnering with us. And she was talking about high school students. Um, She said about a quarter of her students that come to her are interested in finance. They're like, yes, I want to do finance. And she said less than 5% of those people can articulate that they want to do personal financial planning. Mm -hmm. They just say finance and they don't know what that means. We can change that narrative with this program. And that's what we're going to do.
0: That's excellent. How much of your time is is taken up with this? Because I know you were involved in kind of helping the launch of this, but is it still taking up a lot of your time?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. So we're definitely spearheading it. We have a team of people supporting us kind of on the back that you don't see. You don't see their face on anything. And from my husband, who's helping with the curriculum design and the the media production, um, I'm in my office right now. And it's basically set up as a, a studio and we have a camera and lights and microphones and all the things around here. So I do spend, you know, especially at this time, um, a considerable amount of time on this, Um, but it's worth it. You know, that's the thing is we want to have big impact. So I still run my practice still involved. I had a client meeting this morning talking to you guys about the externship now. And so it's, it all just kind of fits together and, and it's, you know, it, it's so much fun. And these, I almost just want to like, I I wish I could share with you guys what happens in this externship or what happened last year. There's so much excitement. Excitement about financial planning, new ideas—it it is such a great. Um, seeing these students makes it all worth it.
0: Well, if I had an extra twenty hours a week, I'd sign up for it myself. But I'm not sure I could swing that right now. Um, <laughs> we do uh, have
1: two time two x video speed, and we do make we, shorter okay. is better than longer. So, yeah.
0: Hey, um, I want to the the thing I learned by writing about virtual internships is that the the accountability factor. Uh, a lot yes. of the advisors told me that you know it, not. In, you know, without uh, talking about the externship program, they said their virtual internships, they said they were worried initially about accountability, about being able to monitor these students and, and kind of encourage them and help them work with them. They said as that, they actually feel like it's it's enhanced. It's actually more than just mm-hmm. somebody in the office. They give them a desk and they every now and then they give them an assignment. Is is it the same with the externships? I mean you guys are oh, you yeah. don't have anything to compare it to because it's only been an externship program, but you feel like you're, the people are getting the accountability, and they're they're being monitored and tracked and measured.
1: Absolutely, it's forced us to use best practices in how do we in education, in training and development, and monitoring things. I mean, it's it's the plan is just completely laid out. It's like, did you do it or did you not? Did you watch this video? Did you do this assignment? Did you do this? It's reframing what the expectations are. And by doing that, we can we can set out to be this is this is our ideal. Um. So, yeah, I I completely agree. Going online has if you do it well and you do it right, it can absolutely increase the accountability.
0: I love stories like this. I mean, something that came out of, of, a, of a need and it's now improved what was there before, even if we could meet in person.
2: Yeah, I can tell you, Jeff, just as having two high school kids at home during the pandemic, the way that Hannah is describing the curriculum and how you do assignments and Zoom chat learning, I mean, it very much falls into line with what my two kids have been doing and how they're going to just do more classes in the future.
1: Yeah. And they, and we've focused on engaging, right? I always say my husband's a filter for, he, he can't stand boring content. So if we shoot something, he's like, that's too boring. We got to make it more interesting. So- we, we really pulled in like, what are those best practices to really engage people? And because we were starting from new, we could, we could just go immediately to what do people want? And the irony, we 20 hours a week and people did 20 hours a week for eight out for eight weeks. At the end of that, the feedback that we heard from our students was we want more. We could have kept going with this externship. It was, they, they, they loved this program. Over 99% of the students that we surveyed said that it was transformational or had significant impact on their career. Um so we we really believe that you know this really investing the time it is worth it for your career. Um and you will be a better financial planner no matter your career stage that you're at. You will be a better financial planner for having gone through this program.
0: All right. Do you have anything else Bruce? Well, you said you this is the
2: curriculum that you wished you'd had.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. Right. I would, oh. So
2: I mean is there like a school slogan or a school mascot or something like that we got here for you got no, a school a fight song idea. going yet, or is the husband is the husband <laughs> going to write that one too in his
0: you, spare time? You got a football team. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Don't even put Virtual. it past us. You better watch out. We we might have a mascot and be like, "Hey, yeah, we're going to we're gonna share this."
0: And
2: she's down in Dallas. They take that stuff seriously. Down oh, there, oh man. yes, we,
1: and and we take a lot of pride in our schools. I know you. You better. Yeah, it is. It is really fun because we give you know the students can share this on their resume and LinkedIn and and all that and and like the blurb is like. If you haven't seen it, go find a student that has an FP externship. And it, it, it's impressive. I'll tell you, I was just looking at somebody's resume and they had experience, but they had the externship in there. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Like that's cool. it, it was, a, it was one of the best parts of the resume from just oh, like, yes. it just objective, like what have you done um, in your career path? Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're going to have to start some alumni group with like a secret handshake or something that, that yeah, we can go to cool. conferences with.
2: And- <laughs> yeah. With a secret handshake and a
0: mascot. And that, that's, that would be, that would be very cool. Yeah. Good
2: stuff. I love
3: it.
0: Well, I'm, I can't wait to continue watching this and evolve and see where it's going to go. It seems like it's going to be around for a long time now and uh, probably completely exhaust for Hannah Moore. Um, <laughs> Hannah, want to give you a chance to plug your podcast. I know you have one. You want to yes. tell us uh, what it is and what you're trying to do uh, or what you're accomplishing there with it?
1: Yes, absolutely. So the podcast is called You're a Financial Planner, Now What? And so the name is pretty self explanatory. If you are new to financial planning, if you're trying to figure out what's a career path for you, or if you're thinking about financial planning as a potential career avenue that you want to pursue, this is the podcast for you where we really focus in on those issues facing new planners. And we showcase, you know, different ways to different career paths, different, different avenues that you have that you can take in, in financial planning. And our goal is to fast track your career. Because if you are going to be successful, that means that we all are going to be successful. So we are very much invested in your success. Um, And that's what we have here uh, with the Your Financial Planner Now What podcast.
0: All right. Well, you be sure and submit that podcast to the FICOM Partners Investment News Advisor Podcast Awards submissions by May 18th. Uh, There's going to be a live judging event on Tuesday, May 25th, I understand. So we'll try and put that link in the show notes. And uh other than that, Hannah Moore, owner of Guiding Wealth and pretty much running the show over there at the FPA externship program. Thank you very much for coming on and, and enlightening all of us.
1: Yes. Well, thank you so much for having it. And thank you for spreading the word. You know, Last year, we had so much success because so many planners, so many advisors were really helping to, to really spread the word about this and helping in their communities. It was, it was one of the neatest things I've witnessed. Um, it's just the community of, of financial planning really stepped up to the plate so thank you for for being part of
0: that with this with this podcast too all right okay uh, good stuff there from hannah Moore. now we're gonna get into the tech stack with our very own nicole nikki casperson and sean shaka Shaka shakalaka that's (laughs) his uh in-house nickname Uh, that's boom shakalaka to you my friend yeah boom shakalaka we have walk-up music for them but we we don't have that ready for this week maybe next time but uh (laughs) anyway uh welcome aboard tech team we want to hear a little bit about uh i guess some of your recent coverage on the bitcoin crypto stuff and then also uh we're gonna hit a few highlights of your your most recent podcast so uh which one of you two wants to elbow to the front of the line and start summing it up for us?
4: Mm, depends if you want to talk Bitcoin cover first or tech stacks first. Yes. Okay, sure. Yeah, I could. I could dive in. Yeah. So the Bitcoin cover coming up is kind of to a different uh, tune than maybe some of our prior coverage. Really, that has focused a lot on you know a lot of the reasons why advisors should be getting educated around the digital asset class whereas this one though explores the reasons why there are still so many advisors that are cautious of crypto and the many reasons why they are including fraud or just the fact that it's still a very speculative asset class and maybe like a lack of custodian efforts so there's a lot of reasons why advisors are cautious of crypto. You just have to read the story to find out.
0: Is there appetite, though, I mean, from advisors and or their clients?
3: We've been seeing a lot, a lot of interest from clients and a lot of advisors saying that there's interest from clients. So that's kind of what we wanted to dive into. Like, I think there's only like 10% of advisors are even using it, any of this crypto stuff right now. So we wanted to see if there's this much appetite. Like what's kind of the disconnect? And for me, it was interesting to see just kind of what types of clients advisors would put, you know, would, would allocate crypto to, you know, like because it's such a volatile asset. Advisors are recommending maybe tops 5% of your portfolio to this mm-hmm. stuff just because of its volatility. So I, I just, I don't know if, I mean, clients are interested. I don't know if it's appropriate for a lot of clients or if advisors have them.
4: I think what's also really interesting that, you know, was uncovered for this cover is that even though clients are super interested, there's so much hype, there's a number of educational resources out there for advisors. You know, there's a number of industry support to for advisors to get involved. There's tools rolling out, everything, every widget and thing you could think of, but they're just not ready to sit at the cool kids table yet. And it's because they still are worried that, one day they're going to be okay with it and then their client is going to wake up and all their money is going to be vanished you know and there's a lot of reasons to that that thought process but it's just still interesting the way that there's like these barriers that a lot of advisors are just not ready to cross yet
0: yeah i what what gets me is that it, there are obviously big companies out there trying to figure out ways to package crypto and custody it and it just seems inevitable that it's going to be there. And for me, my biggest fear is, is being behind the curve on this thing and not getting uh, it before it gets to $100,000. Is, is that a realistic fear or should I just be a Paul Curcio here and bury <laughs> my head in the sand?
3: I, I, I think the FOMO is, uh, is real. A lot of these analysts at these Wall Street firms are saying it's going to go way higher than 100000 some people are up to like five hundred thousand. You know who knows what what to believe, but yeah, the, the fear is real. And I think I, I heard on a panel recently that we moderated that it's like a it's it's a business opportunity almost at this point. You know, like if you if you don't do your education, you don't get educated about it. Are you missing out on a major opportunity for your clients? That you know, those are some of the the Bitcoin bulls talk like that. I mean, I. It's just—it's really hard to say, but but again, you got to know—you got to know what you're dealing with, and, and and know why it's not right for your clients. If you're going to be on the sidelines,
0: well, it just seems like it's moving so fast that there have been a lot of things over the years that have you know advisors have kind of slowly migrated toward ESG is a good example, but that's not the kind of thing where you can think, well, I should have bought that yesterday, and then then tomorrow you think again, you should have bought it yesterday. That's how fast crypto is moving, and. It, I mean, I don't know. I'm I that would not be something I would want to have to be dealing with right now if I was a financial advisor.
3: Yeah, the timings are just insane, you know, up ten thousand, down five. I I mean in the long run, I think it depends on regulation, it depends on adoption, it depends on you know, I, I heard a football player just got his entire salary in Bitcoin. I forget which one. Recently, was I that just... Steve
0: Young, Nicole?
4: <laughs> Apparently, it wasn't Steve Young, but someone that maybe looks or plays or throws and cooks kicks that that foosball very similarly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Nicole, Nicole is new to this American football concept. Right. I'm not sure <laughs> it's going to catch on. <laughs> All right. What what else you guys got going on? Tell us about your um your podcast Tech Stack I know this past week you guys interviewed a few folks to talk about the gamification and took a few uh hefty shots
3: at Robinhood one or two yeah, yeah. <laughs> did the you know, sources
4: took hefty shots at Robinhood so
3: i think everyone's taken hefty shots <laughs> at Robinhood including the SEC
4: yeah it i mean in terms of gamification i mean the i think the big Storyline with that is, you know, there's plenty of apps, there's plenty of fintechs out there that use gamification for positive things, right? So if you use gamification to when Peloton app tells me, like, hey, you haven't worked out in a year, what's up? Then that's positive, right? It's for my health. But when Robinhood is sending you a push notification to trade for like the hundredth time today, that's not necessarily the most healthy way to go about financial services or investing or anything like that. So that's kind of the gamification aspect of it. There's also this part where, you know, our, instead of our industry creating gamified, I guess, apps, right. To um, get uh, young people or just people in general, more interested in, you know, savings goals or budgeting or making those things sexy, right. As opposed to like, just making investing and this like mania very, very cool, we kind of had it backwards, right? And that's what a lot what Danny Fava was saying was like, and maybe in hindsight, now that we're seeing the fallout of all of this after GameStop and everything, maybe we should have instead, the industry should have instead had an app, right? That did those things, did what Robinhood does, but for savings and budgeting, et cetera, healthy habits, as opposed to Investing like what Robin Yeah, Hood but has you done. just be
2: given like a carrot stick or something for that. You know what I mean? There's no rush. Yeah. I don't, you know, no one gets a rush every month about putting a- <laughs> Yeah.
3: Three, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> two, <laughs> 1% or 2%
2: of their yeah. salary into their yeah. 401k yeah. or 5% we'll or you yeah. as you get older, you max out, you go higher, right? So like Jeff is up to 50% of his salary, right? <laughs> and, his, and his 401k. I mean, he's stretching the limits a little bit, but that's okay. But, you know, you don't get – you know, carrots aren't fun, but that's what financial health is is all about. It's not a – saving for your retirement isn't inherently a a gamified experience. Stock trading is because it's based on the adrenaline and the rush of – Seeing your, right. sh- it's you know, owning Vegas x event. amount of shares or fractional shares and seeing it rocket
3: overnight. Or, or sure. Weekly. Yeah, it's like glorified gambling in a lot of yeah. ways. I think well, there first there there are some savings apps. A, a lot of actually good ones, and Danny pointed some out. And there's some um, links that we had on in our in our podcast on the page that you can get more information about them, but. I think that the, the real problem is you could probably incentivize this stuff and really smart people that make these apps could probably make it fun to save, mm-hmm. but there's just no incentive for them to, they would have to monetize that. Right. And for savings, there's no way for them to, they're not taking a commission. They're not selling your payment for order flow like Robinhood. They're not doing any of these things. So how do you really monetize that for, for a startup? I think that's the problem. I don't. You know, I think I bet you these smart guys could figure out a way to make it fun, but they're just well investing is much more liquid.
0: Yeah, I, I I do think that there's ways you could make it fun. And, and frankly, I would appreciate a little bit of glitter every month when I put money into my my retirement account. I wouldn't you know that would cheer me up a little bit. But like, for example, my sister-in-law is learning Gaelic or something like that on Duolingo. And she's constantly on it, and she's telling me, oh, I'm in first place, I'm in fourth place. Every week they have competitions with other people who are learning it. She's not getting anything for that except for the benefit of learning a foreign language, and she's very enthusiastic about it. And, I mean, I don't know. I, maybe there is something there about That's the quest for knowledge, Jeff. That's different from... Saving for Different retirement. retirement, West for financial security—that sounds better to me. <laughs>
4: West for wealth needs to be cool too, right? I mean, it's like the tri- It's like the tale of, all of time as a, of, of human nature, right? And that's kind of what uh, Sarah Newcomb from Morningstar, who we had on the episode, she's a behavioral scientist, which is very cool. But that's like what she was saying, right? The hard part is even let's say you did create that magical app that did all the things to get people interested in saving, et cetera. But human nature isn't interested in these long-term goals. Uh, you know, we're interested in like the thrill of buying that thing now, of investing in that thing now and trading now. And so to like be able to change human behavior, that is a much bigger challenge. And as a society, we haven't really tapped into how to change that, because we like to our entire world revolves around throwing products at people. This is gonna help solve your problem. This product, this product, this product, but that's not actually what's helping.
3: you know, I didn't know people still speak Gaelic. That was, <laughs> I, was
4: I said all good. that, and that's what boomshot <laughs> that that. <laughs> no Oh my goodness. Apparently
0: you don't have to, but it's nice to do it if you're ever. I reading. think she's <laughs> learning yeah. it. I don't Jeff yeah. yeah. said. She's nobody not, said she's <laughs> ever gonna speak <laughs> it, but you know, if she ever gets back to Ireland.
4: But imagine if they did like a, an app where that was, I mean, that might be weird, right? Where like, oh, you have your own savings goals and like your group of friends, like who is going to hit their saving goals first, and then they get glitter thrown right.
0: out. And it's just to be on track. I mean, that's where you get the short term part, right? You can't say, oh, Jeff, you've reached your retirement goal, but you can say, oh, by what you've done over the past few weeks, you've really stepped up your proximity to that goal. So that's how you make a long-term goal kind of a short-term goal. But it, it sounds like the four of us should get together and with some people that know how to write code and do a uh, gamification uh, savings app. I, I think we've we've just dialed
2: in. All those people here. are
0: too busy working for Robinhood and getting paid big <laughs> chunks of stock.
2: That's
4: true. I we wouldn't be able Sean's to pay you point. anything,
0: so there's that. Yeah.
4: <laughs> mm, I don't know if I'm trying to work for Jeff for free, though. <laughs> we'll get some interns. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> they know how to write code.
4: One yeah. thing I thought that Danny Chava said that was really interesting which might appeal more to my realm of being my peers is she was like if only you know there was a way to like make to where you know if if a user's credit score reached a higher level or yeah if their savings goals reached a higher level that meant that translated to like more more Instagram likes or more followers on Twitter yeah. or followers on Instagram. I mean, that's, that would be cool. That would incentivize myself to want to do better on my savings goals, if, <laughs> which sounds terrible, but yes, that's our world. Yeah. Today. That's what the kids want. They want more followers and they want more likes. So,
0: Right. Yeah. Or we could just mail them a trophy. Sometimes that works. no,
4: I think they'd want it in a digital format so that they can sell it as an NFT and then yeah. make money that way.
0: Melt it down and make crypto coins. Nice. Exactly.
4: That would be preferred. All
0: right. So what do you guys have coming up next? So what's your next big uh, venture on TechStack?
3: Uh, the plan is we, we like to fly kind of, you know, loose and by the seat of our pants a little bit. But I think we're mm-hmm. going to jump into some <laughs> NFTs. Ooh, nice. I just, oh, nice. I don't know. I, we want to find out just how much advisors are into this. They love talking about it. We know that from, you know, FinTwit and some of that stuff, but are they really looking at, is it an investment yet? I don't think it is there yet, but obviously people love to talk about it, love to learn about it. So we're going to find out what's, out what's all about.
4: Trying to find out how many dodge coins I can take to the moon, you know, that's what nice. we're trying to find out how many uh, specs an advisor can game stonk into uh, NFT. All
0: right. Well, I think we got to keep this tight because Sean has to go out and I think his uh his band is performing tonight somewhere in Central Park. And um I just want to leave you with this thought before Bruce brings us home. One of my favorite quotes from uh Nikki Kasperson is that she realized recently that Genesis the band sounds a lot like Phil Collins. That is an actual quote.
3: There you have it. That is
4: not. That was a paraphrase. That was slightly Her- <laughs> You know I'm younger than you guys, right? Although I know who Phil Collins is, obviously.
2: Prove it. All right, Rosie. Is- <laughs> I think Nicole should listen to Peter Gabriel myself, but
4: oh, I love Sledgehammer. That's a very good song.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the first singer of. Uh, he was the first lead singer on Genesis before he quit, oh, and wow. then they then Phil Collins was the drummer. So they needed a singer. So that's what happened with those guys. Um, Thank you. Thanks a lot for coming by, guys. That was great.
3: Anytime. Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys.
2: And that was another episode of the Investment News Podcast. As you guys know, you've listened all this way. It launches on Mondays. We want to thank our special guests, Hannah Moore from Guiding Wealth, who talked to us about really funky and interesting internships and an internship program that she runs. And Investment News' very own, Nicole Casperson and Sean Alaka. We also want to thank Stephen Lamb, our producer. You can find the podcast at investmentnews.com, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Leave us a review on Apple. Please follow us on Spotify. Our Twitter handles are at Benji Ryder and me, I'm at B News Guy. Stay tuned because we'll be talking to you next week.